watching Inside Automotive with Jim Fitzpatrick. Good morning, everyone. Jim Fitzpatrick with Inside Automotive right here in the CBT Automotive Network. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Sarah Automotive ranks among the top 10 privately held retail automotive groups in the nation with 51 dealerships representing 63 franchises. Well, on today's show, we're pleased to welcome the president of Sarah Automotive, Mr. Joe Sarah. Joe, thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule to join us here on the show. Thanks, Jim. It's really an honor to be with you today. Great. So there's so much to talk to you about. So first and foremost, let me ask you uh, right out, how is Sarah Automotive Group doing? We went from the pandemic to then the chip-demic, and we're doing the best we can in the industry to sell what we've got. But how are you guys doing? I think we'd be in the same boat as pretty much every automotive retailer, and, and that is we're fortunate and blessed, quite frankly. The, um, as times are, as you know, retail automotive, the dealer body is... is, uh, is handled it very well and quite frankly is getting business from a profit standpoint is much better than we deserve. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, um, the, the, you know, many of the dealers out there that I speak with around the country have felt as though, you know, the, the OEMs really need to take notice of this and realize that instead of flooding, you know, lots, uh, you know, back again and having a four month, five month supply of vehicles and every dealer's fighting against one another for the same deal. And it's a race to the bottom in terms of gross profit. And the customer feels that as well in terms of the experience. What's your take on, on all of that? And what do you think the perfect day supply is that, that would make everyone happy? It's a great question. And, um, and we know from what we've experienced the past 23 months that having the lower day supply has many, many benefits. That being said, I'm not as optimistic as maybe others are that long-term, you know, three, four years from now when things are back to normal, that manufacturers will have the discipline to not just keep producing. It's easier said than done. Yeah. Um, even though they see on their side the, the um, advantages as well, lower incentive costs, things like that. Right. Um, but to answer your question, what's the right day supply? You know, currently, a year ago, and it seems like a long time, we were like at 70 days, our, our group's new vehicle. Okay. Today, eight. Um, probably the right day is obviously maybe 30, but I don't think that's reality long-term. I think it's going to yeah. be the way for the next 12 plus months. So. Right, right. And is, is it... Uh... Is it surprising to you to see consumers now willing to come in and actually sit down with your sales associates and order a car and be willing to wait, you know, the next number of weeks uh, for it to come in? I mean, we were a spot delivery industry until just a, you know, a year or so ago. Yeah, the question is, I mean, and, and it's happening. There's no doubt about it. Consumers are doing that, but quite frankly, they have no choice. So right. they're doing, that's their only option. Yeah. There's a fix there. I think there are some consumers that do want to instantaneously make a purchase and others, you know, such a major purchase, they do want to order it to their liking. There's a mix there. And I think we're learning so much from this and I'm hoping that when it's all over, the good, the good processes, the good procedures, the ones that are client friendly, associate friendly, that they remain. That's what my hope is. Right, right. You know, I spoke to a friend of mine who is a major negotiator. He just, he takes, you know, purchasing a vehicle to the nth degree. We've all met those customers that come into the dealership. And while we love them, we know that it's going to be a five-hour grind, right, to get to the right price. 
And uh, he, he said, I bought a new car. And I said, well, oh my gosh. I said, hey, you bought a new car right now. You know, you paid sticker price. He goes, well, I paid sticker plus a little bit. And I said, well, how, how did you do that? You know, and I said, I took one, I took you for one of those individuals that would wait till things calm down. He said, the reason I negotiate, Jim, is because I just want to get the best possible deal. And I want to know that the person behind me isn't getting a better deal than me. He said, I know that that's not happening right now. So I'm comfortable paying MSRP for the car. Are you surprised that people are coming in and even while they don't necessarily need a car, they're willing to pay sticker price for it? Yeah, again, supply and demand. And um, no, unfortunately, our organization looks at things maybe different than most. And um, we try MSRP is really where we end it from there. We don't try to charge above that. And I think that's a long-term view. Um, Short-term, I'm sure there's some pushback on that. But uh, consumers really, it's, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate but a supply and demand and done handled properly, it can be a win-win for everyone. That's right, that's right. You wanna see those customers back in the service drive, right? For sure. Right. Uh, talk to us about the service drive. How's your fixed stops business doing? There's, we, you know, there's obviously a continued shortage of, of technicians out there, although mm -hmm. service centers seem to be busy as heck. I called on a vehicle for myself to get it in. They said, oh, we can get you in in four weeks. Four weeks, <laughs> wow, what's that all about? Yeah, that's, that's disappointing to hear. But unfortunately, um, as you mentioned, the demand, consumer demand for service fixed operations is strong right now. We are struggling a little bit with parts um, availability, but manufacturers are working hard with us on that. Uh, the, really, the only concern I have right now when it comes to fixed operations is in the past, we've always, as an organization, provided loaner vehicles to our consumer. You know, mm -hmm. People need a vehicle, so they drop one off. We provide them one. Sure. Well, with the shortage of inventory, we've had to shrink our loaner fleet tremendously. And yeah. so now if you do want a loaner, and most consumers do, that's mm -hmm. what forces the, the scheduling of service to maybe be a couple weeks out. If you don't yeah. need a loaner, obviously we can take care of you right away. Right, right. During the pandemic, were you picking vehicles up for service and bringing them in? Absolutely. Yeah, we're whatever consumers needed or wanted, we were there to meet their needs. And are you still doing that? And if so, will that stay with uh, Sarah beyond? Yeah, you know, that's, as I said earlier, I'm hoping some of these, what I call good practices, right practices, right. Uh, policies, procedures that benefit consumers that work for us continue. And, and that's going to be one of them. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, as a consumer, I don't have any interest in going to a car dealer. If they want to pick up and deliver back, that's wonderful to me. Sure. And I think that, that fits many people in today's world. Right. I will tell you, though, as a former car guy, we sold a lot of cars to people who were waiting on their cars in service. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. that was a great source of new business, right? Mm -hmm. You're yeah. exactly no correct. That's right. So uh, right now, um, you know, we 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 just saw the industry surpass $47,000 for the average price of a new car. We talked a lot about affordability prior to COVID on CBT News, and uh, but we haven't been talking about it for the last two years. It doesn't seem to be an issue. We flew right by $47,000 like it was nothing. Is that a concern? What What's your take on, on a number that high for the average well, I think Yeah, it's obviously, to, you have to be concerned about it. And I think it's going to become a major factor, a different factor when, as interest rates start to rise. Right now, we've, we have the advantage of low interest rates. So- really what consumers look at is payment. And so what's my payment? Well, as interest rates rise and, and the uh, vehicle transaction price stays up there, payments are gonna increase as well. And at some point, 
there'll be a, a, a breaking point. But right. Not there yet. Right. That's it's really something. Forty-seven grand. It sounds like, you know, in the next <laughs> the next few months, if the trajectory stays the same, we'll top fifty thousand, which is just unheard of, but uh, it is what it is. Um, so are you able to get uh, used cars? I mean, so many dealers have turned their sales department into purchasing departments and said, start calling and reaching out to past customers and see if they want to sell us their vehicle. Are, are you in that boat? Yeah, absolutely. And surprisingly, I was looking at some numbers um, earlier this morning and our used vehicle inventory levels are higher than they were a total number of units is higher than they were a year ago. So our really? team is doing a great job of wow. So day supply is not higher because our, our sales have gone up, but our units that we have in inventory is greater than it was a year ago. So our team is doing a great job of being aggressive with the consumer when it is a trade and also mm-hmm. they're purchasing and using any and all avenues that are available to them. Sure. The, the analysts that I talked to here at CBT uh, have, have shared that, you know, because of the shortage of new cars and because of the shortage of leasing and because of the shortage of new vehicle fleet sales out there, used car pricing is going to remain high for the next couple of years, at least. It's, it's a good thing, right? Yeah. And I've told our, our, my partners, so I've run, I have partners in all the stores and their stores, but my advice to them has been, as long as we keep our day supply you know, 30 days, 35 days, mm-hmm. stay aggressive, stay aggressive on use because that's all we have to sell, right? Don't, right. don't get gun shy. When the market turns, whenever it turns, which I think is going to be out there a while, mm-hmm. when it turn, we can only get hurt a little bit if, our day, if we keep our day supply under control. So right. I, stay, I want to remain aggressive through this, quite frankly, through this entire year. Mm. Interesting, interesting. You know, through the through COVID, when it first hit, so many dealer groups out there, uh, you may have been one of them that said, "Hey, we gotta we gotta get our hands around digital retailing." If somebody wants to, you know, shop for a car and then buy a car online and either have it delivered to them or stop by the dealership for a few minutes, you know, to spend a minute with the salesperson and actually take delivery of the car. But everything's been done online, including the financing. Um, where does that stand today at Sarah? Are you delivering cars, uh, you know, to people's homes, or are they are they doing most of the work online? No, it really varies. Um, we have the ability to take a customer all the way, but I would say that there's there's a point consumers are comfortable to some some degree, but they're, they're still having that interaction with us, whether it be us at their homes or them at the dealership. Um, but it does vary, and we sort of we work to to wherever the client wants to go. If they want to take it sixty percent online that's great the key is whatever they do online when they do come to our showroom that we pick it up from that point and we don't have to redo things that's what consumers don't want to do they don't want to rehash stuff so as long as we keep them we combine the two of them i think it's it's always going to be a a method for consumers and it'll only grow as time goes on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh but you believe it's the future of the industry i think it's going to be there for sure i know again consumer is going to take it to whatever level they want. Um, Good thing is most consumers at some point want some interaction with, and and in in most cases, a lot of cases, just explain to me what I just bought. These products today, I know their price is going up, but there is a tremendous, the quality, the value, the features, the benefits are mind-boggling in these these vehicles today, but we show it to the consumer to let them know what they really purchased and how everything works. 
And from that point, that's where the face-to-face really helps. You know, show me how to operate this thing. That's right. The technology alone. I mean, you, you just go to, you know, use the, the, the dashboard, uh, the, you know, your radio, whatever it might be. It's, it it yeah. takes you now a, a computer scientist to show you how it, it works. Maybe yeah. that's just my age group. I don't know, but no, I know that, that it's, I, it's mind boggling. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, every time I get into a vehicle, I just, I'm really impressed by what's in there and what these things can do and features right. benefits. But again, it's only as good as what we know and what we show our clients. That's right, that's right. So perfect segue into my next question, and that is the EV revolution that's headed our way in the industry. I think if you watch the Super Bowl for any longer than you know, 20 minutes, you, didn't, you, know, you, you couldn't help but see a commercial on there for an auto group that was pitching you know, going all EV. And there's mm-hmm. so many car companies out there that have announced that they will be by 20, 30 or 2025 or 2032 they all have their they'll have their dates but uh what what is your take on that as i mean here you are you know running so many dealerships and and uh it looks it looks like in the next you know four or five years every oem will be shipping you evs is the market there do consumers want it and how do you feel about it as a dealer it doesn't matter right now what the consumers want the um sounds like government or our society is telling us this is where we're going and we're going to go there. There's no doubt about it, whether, yeah. and whether whoever drives it. So consumers, if they want something new in the future, five years from now, it's going to be EV. Um, if they want a nice vehicle, they're going to look at a used vehicle, which will be in the market for many years to come. Right. I can tell you, I own some um, electric vehicles. They're a joy to drive. They're a thrill to ride in. But again, we have to make them affordable. We have to get some other issues, but it's coming and it's yeah. going to come faster than many of us probably believe. Right, right. So as dealers, don't fight it, embrace it, right? Yeah, we have no choice. I mean, it's, right. it's coming. So it's coming. It's just, it's a vehicle. It's, it's, it's got four wheels, a steering wheel, four tires, a steering wheel. We're going to sell it and service it. <laughs> spoken like a true dealer, right? Could yeah. be a bicycle. Could be a bicycle. Guess what? We're going to sell bicycles. It's, I love the attitude. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So many of these uh, new companies that are uh, coming, uh, Rivian and Lucid and of mm-hmm. course Tesla and such, and you probably know where I'm going with this, to, with, with a direct consumer appro- sales approach. Um, we even see some traditional OEMs that have said, eh, well, if you want to go online, you want to order the car, we can then ship it to your yeah. local dealer and, and such. Is that a concern of yours? Absolutely. Absolutely a concern. And, and what it says to me is we as, as automotive retailers, we have to provide value to the manufacturers. We have yeah. to show them we have value. If we don't bring value to the manufacturers, that's an issue. We can't be a cost. We have to be an advantage. So right. we as retailers have to understand it and say, how can we bring value? We, and I, I believe we do. I know we do. But again, Unless the manufacturer or the the customer client understands that, so we owe it to ourselves to we have to up our game. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And um, and as you know, through the, some of this, you know, I know that a few of the traditional OEMs have come out recently and said, "Hey," and we touched on this earlier. You know, in terms of charging over MSRP because you can right now and sell the vehicle, please don't. I know that you don't do it there at Sarah, but. It's things like that that just kind of feed right into the hands of the OEM that says, see, you know, we, we don't want to be selling these uh, sophisticated EVs and having, you know, a, a, 
problems with the retailers that are out there, right? Yeah, we sometimes are our own worst enemy. But yeah. um, but you know what? It's it's um we're gonna figure it out. I've got yeah. you know I love automotive retail. I love all my car dealer friends. We're gonna figure it out, and uh, we're gonna be there long term. Yeah. Speaking of being there long term, um, it, it, I'm sure that you have taken notice to a number of these tremendous, uh, you know, uh, acquisitions that have taken place. It, it almost seems as though Lithia is out there gobbling up what they can and, and AutoNation is back in the swing of things. Certainly Sonic and Asbury have made some huge deals recently. Um, and I know that you're a family run company for many, many years. And before we got recording today, you mentioned your son's in the business. That's awesome. But is there a place for a privately held family group? And I know you're probably one of the biggest out there, but, uh, what does the next 10 or 20 years look like for a group like yours with all of this consolidation and so many of the publics jumping and offering, uh, dealers, you, you know, some, some huge numbers to acquire them. Yeah. So the question is, you know, can a can a group of dealers or even a standalone uh, dealer remain in our industry? Right. I truly believe they can. I have no doubt in my mind. Uh, like I said, a single point store can remain. It really comes down to, you know, it's, this business is people. It's yeah. really all this business is. And the advantage that maybe I as a group have over a, a single point and that the publics have maybe over me is giving people opportunities for growth. Mm -hmm. So I, it all comes down to, can I attract the right people to join our organization? And if I can give them the ability to grow and if I meet their needs financially, and quite frankly, what I think I can offer versus the public is um, I care, not that they don't care, but if somebody needs to get a hold of me in our organization, they're getting a hold of me. Yeah. And if they have an issue, I care. And I care about them, not just business-wise, but personally, their family. So I have to say, what can I offer that publics don't to survive? And it comes down to me, but it, the business is all people. And as long as we can attract and retain and grow the best people, we're going to be able to survive. Yeah, for sure. And survive well. I mean, the Sarah name is uh, synonymous with such great brands and successful dealerships being run out there every day. And uh, so congratulations and kudos to you and your family for putting together such an incredible automotive group. Let me just ask you one question that dealers uh, have, have uh, I've asked a number of dealers and it seems to be a little bit all over the, the, the map here, but through these times right now, when vehicles are so such short, short supply, do you continue the marketing and advertising for your dealer group? And if so, is it the same as what it was dollar wise or do you dial back or where does that stand today? Yeah, great question. And probably if I had all my partners in front of you and we were talking, you'd probably get some different answers. I have some yeah. partners that are still out in the market trying to keep their name out there, keeping a presence, probably not spending the dollars they were two years ago, three years ago, but mm -hmm. significant. And I have others that have dialed it back and are taking advantage of that cost savings. Um, but that's really depends on the operator. You know, you just don't want to lose awareness with the consumer out there because it's right. not sales, it's service, it's body, it's parts, it's used. It's We want to be there to service your transportation needs. In, right. in that case, we want them thinking of us. Right, right. Want to be still still be top of mind. And my mm -hmm. last question is today, uh, what are the things that keep Joe Sarah up at night? It looks like you've got a gorgeous 
a group of uh, uh, grandkids there behind you. I'm sure that helps you keep <laughs> stay up at night. But other than that, business-wise, what are the things that you think dealers need to be concerned with as we move uh, into 2022 and beyond? Yeah, I mentioned earlier people. It's literally any business, but retail automotive is people. And uh, I'm just, I'm so blessed. I, I, you mentioned my son's in the business and that, that helps a bunch that I know our organization knows there's a future beyond me because they can look at me and I'm aging sadly. And they say, what's his runway? But I have a son in the business who has a talent, has a passion, cares about it. So our runway is long. And then I have partners in all the stores that are as good as you can get. And they care, care about their people and they care about their clients and care about the community and they give back. So I, if I was worrying about anything, it'd be, do I have the right people in the right places, you know, taking care of our clients and associates. And I do today. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't have any trouble sleeping. Thank God. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Mr. Joe Sarah, president of Sarah Automotive Group. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the show. I know that a lot of our subscribers and dealer uh, viewers will get a lot out of your visit with us. So thank you so much and good luck to you in the future. And I uh, hope to catch up with you uh, here as the year progresses to see how things are going. Thanks, Jim. And thanks for all you do for our industry. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching Inside Automotive with Jim Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, Pash, Kane, Lewis, Greenfield, Reed, Dawson, Lopes, Rice. The best lineup in retail automotive. CBTNews.com. Subscribe today.